episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. You can find us on Twitter as well, at HorizonRT. You can follow us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com, and be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And Matt, we did promise that we were going to start going back to Sundays to record, but... We just couldn't resist. We had to get Jordan Burnfield back on because, you know, he is he's back and he's back um, working on the ESPN broadcast for the Horizon League. So, Jordan, welcome back to the podcast. I feel like this is the official beginning of Horizon League basketball if I'm on with you guys. So that's um, right. That's how, that's how you, you know, know it's real. Exactly. Yes. And like, you know, in a year that has been completely weird in every other way, this feels normal. So thank you for having me on. The, the day that we're normal, there's something wrong, but we'll just go with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at, at least at least this is something. Like, we're all in search of normalcy, so I will have that for this podcast. Yes. So thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so obviously, um, I guess the first question I wanted to ask is, you're on the, you're on the ESPN broadcast. Are you actually physically going to the locations or has ESPN kind of embraced the whole remote broadcasting thing? I know during the college football playoffs, I saw a picture of Kirk Herbstreet with that fancy rig he had. Although, you know, I'm sure that's like kind of the gold standard because he is trying to cover one of the largest, you know, sporting events of the year. But uh, I was wondering if, you know, did they, are they sending, are you still traveling to each locale or do they have some sort of remote setup for you? Yeah, so we are traveling. Um, you know, we I would it would be wonderful uh, to have a setup like that. But truthfully, you know, in this in this odd time in which we're living, um, I've done games both in the studio and you know on site so far this season. And I would say that you know being there uh, is definitely easier than not being there. So uh, we are, we will be in the building. Um, I'm not sure exactly where. Um, but it is good to be in the building, and it does help solve some of the, you know, inevitable questions that can come up when you're doing a game where you're not in the building. If there's, you know, something questionable with the officials or whatever that you need an explanation on um, and whatnot, it's always easier when you're in-house than not. So at least for the first uh, few, from what I understand, uh, we will be in the building. So when Wright State, Youngstown State, um, do battle this Friday night. Uh, we will be at the Nutter Center. Out of curiosity, because I know during the ESPN Plus and ESPN Three broadcast, when the officials do like re- video reviews, the they snatch the snatch the, the, uh, the uh, screen of the uh, broadcasting. They don't do that to you guys, do they? When they're showing the replays, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, when when they show the replays to you, the viewer. Yeah. Um, typically, we're able to look at the same uh, shots that they are. So, sure. yeah, and, uh, and, oftentimes. Yeah, or go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say. Uh, yeah, well, it seemed. Well, uh, I, I know when uh, during the local, more local broadcast, they take the screen, and then the broadcast team can't see what you're seeing and what they're seeing. But it sounds like you have a setup where you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, like they're using our cameras or our feed um, to make the determination. Uh, so typically, 
they're able to see the same angle as we are. So, um, gotcha. in, in, a, in a normal year um, where, you know, humans can congregate around other humans safely, typically what will happen is like when we're at the table, um, the officials will come over and give us an explanation of yeah. whatever the determination is. This year, it's different for obvious reasons. And so what you've seen, I think, in a lot of different broadcasts is it's no fault of the broadcast teams. It's just that we can't communicate with the officials no. the way that yeah. we have in the past. So there's just certain things that, you know, we're, we're having to get um, from other sources that can't happen in real time the way they normally would. Of course, of course. So um, I know the we're we're actually we're, we've actually caught you before the second broadcast of the uh, of the Horizon League schedule on on ESPN. You did the you initially did the North Northern Kentucky Youngstown State broadcast where you had uh, your you had uh, David Paget with as the uh, as your color color guy. Is he going to be on for this next upcoming one and subsequent ones, or are you just going to get are you getting a different person every time? I know last year you had you know, one person consistently. Yeah, we had Rob Kennedy last year. He did a great job. I know David's yeah. with me this weekend. And, uh, you know, the in terms of the schedule, um, because everything is so kind of uh, up in the air this year, I don't know for sure that, that gotcha. we'll be together every week. But I've, but I've really enjoyed uh, working with David. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we can keep working together. He does a really nice job. And, I, and really, I've liked – all the partners that, that I've worked with on the Horizon League are, you know, have become friends of mine. So I, I like working with everybody on that. Right. So um, let's kind of talk about who's uh, – you've, you've only seen a handful of – a handful of teams, obviously. Uh, but one that keeps coming up is, is, is Youngstown State, obviously. For, uh, for obvious reasons, because you know, at the beginning of the season, they were, they were picked to finish second um, in the official Horizon League poll. I believe we had them second in our poll, too, didn't we, Matt? Yeah, we did. Okay. Um, and it seems they've been kind of struggling lately. Um, they, they did suffer a last-minute defeat against uh, – Green Bay. They got swept at Cleveland State. They had they ended up splitting the series against Northern Kentucky. Um, although they they really do kind of have the talent. Obviously, um, Nas Bohanna, as we found out earlier today, uh, won Horizon League Player of the Week. Um, as you've seen them, what kind of challenges do you see with with Youngstown State um, trying to get over the hump, especially when they've got easily you know arguably the best team in the conference uh in rice state coming up i think for youngstown state it's it's a nice story because you know when jared calhoun took over youngstown state as you guys well know you know this was a team that um, was near the bottom of the league they had been for several years in a row um, they had struggled really to kind of break through and i think what jared has done um, is really impressive. And I think it, it's because, you know, whenever you approach a rebuilding effort, often it's the case that the coach will talk about trying to get, you know, his own guys into the program and build a culture and, and try to build towards winning. And, you know, it's hard to make that happen, right? Guys talk about it. You talk about building a culture. You talk about turning the ship. But then being able to do it is, 
you know, completely another matter. And I think that when you looked at Youngstown State entering the season, coming off the year that they had a year ago, um, there's a lot of reasons to like that team, right? I mean, they won 10 games in the Horizon League a season ago. You had basically everybody back. Um, you know, they had accepted a berth to the CIT last year, obviously weren't able to play it because of the beginning of the pandemic. And so I think that when you look at the guys that they have and you look at, you know, Nas Bohannon and, you know, his ability to sort of anchor the middle, um, especially in a conference, in a league like this, as you guys well know, you know, if you have a, if you have a good big man in the Horizon League that can play with his back to the basket, that can score and rebound, that's really important in a league uh, that plays at the pace that this one does. Um, and they have that in Bohannon. You have a guard in Darius Quisenberry, you know, that tested the NBA waters uh, last year as one of the, you know, the best players that, that Youngstown has had. Um, you look at Akuche and you look at Covington and you see this group of players that has been in that program since Jared took over. And so I think that it's easy to like them coming in. All those things being said – now that there's expectation on them, it's harder, right? I mean, it's, it's one thing when you're a chasing team and you're ascending and you are, you know, not expected to do anything uh, to win some games that you weren't expected to win. Now that they're expected to win, I think it makes things that much more challenging. So, you know, I know that they didn't anticipate starting the Horizon League schedule two and four. I think a lot of things this year are going to be weird just because, this is an unprecedented schedule with the back-to-backs. Um, the fact that you're playing the same team back-to-back changes some of the dynamic. It can lead um, to some very random results. Uh, but I still like the players that they have, and there's still a long way to go in conference season. And I do feel like the, the, the hype, so to speak, for Youngstown State wasn't unwarranted. And I think as this thing continues along, I expect that they're going to be one of the better teams. Have you seen anything in any of the footage you might have been able to watch of them to see why they're struggling? Because I know when I've watched Youngstown, I can't figure out why it, it's not coming together. You know, you, we, we'll hear the, oh, they haven't practiced a lot because of COVID. You know, everyone's pretty much been shut down at some point, you know, along the way. So I'm not willing to let that be the best excuse. But watching their games, I can't figure out why they're not clicking yet. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, it, it's it's hard to say, honestly. Um, I, I I'm from the game that we saw them, um, you know, I just feel like this is a team that's, that's got some pressure on it to sort of put things together, right? I mean, it's, it's a team that I think has um, the ability to be a really good scoring and rebounding team. So far, they have really not shot the three ball well, um, which I think hurts them a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, from an offensive standpoint, I'd, I would like to see uh, Quisenberry be able to be a little more of a threat from the outside. You know, one of the things that I noticed when we saw them uh, in the game against Northern Kentucky is that, you know, when you're, when you're not getting three-point shots to fall, it makes it that much harder because guys can kind of collapse down in the paint on you. And because they really haven't had, other than Rattan Mays, um, anyone shooting the ball really well from deep, you know, that, that can make things a little bit more challenging. And I think in addition to that, you know, you've got um, the starting lineup kind of is what it is with this team. You know, they, they use the same five guys, and those are, you know, unquestioned starters given 
their history in the program, but I think that their second unit is going to have to start to produce a little more. And admittedly, they're young guys, right? So where are these different young players are able to fit in in that second unit to kind of help them out, um, I think still remains to be seen because, like you said, there's less practice time and COVID has has hurt teams' ability to sort of figure those things out before conference play. But but I do think that um, with the benefit of more games, they might be able to figure those things out. And those are just two things that stand out to me, at least from from the early games we saw with that. I think you're onto something with expectations too, which will make it all the more interesting getting into this week where, you know, you do have ESPN coming in. They're going to the Nutter Center, which on a regular year, that place gets crazy when ESPN's there. I, I give a lot of credit to Wright State fans. So, you know, that aspect will be gone. But, you know, to see how these teams start to react when, when you know, you do have some the, more of the national spotlight, I think that'll be interesting to see from both teams because they both had a little setback, you know, coming into this game. So for, for two of the top teams in the league, it'll be, be, be a good good watch. And obviously, um, this is Wright State has been the premier team, and along with Northern Kentucky, you know they've been the two titans of the Horizon League, if you will. Um, you know, uh, over the last four or five years, right? So really, those two teams, Oakland's been in there, Green Bay's been in there, but um, Wright State, you know, won the regular season title last year. Um, you know, them and Northern Kentucky have been the two teams that uh, on a bigger level have represented the conference, not only in the NCAA tournament, but in the NIT and whatnot um, in recent years. So Wright State has a great atmosphere. Normally uh, we, we love being there because, you know, it's one of the best, uh, I think, arenas in the conference. It's a big arena and they, they really show out for big games and we, it's normally very loud, um, which, you know, makes for great television. Unfortunately, um, because of the pandemic and the times we're living in, you know, there, there really isn't atmosphere in any uh, home arena this year. So uh, home games become, I think, a little bit less relevant than they would be normally. Um, but, you know, certainly it's a great place. And, and in a normal year, I, you know, if, if people ask me, um, you know, where, where are some of the great places to see Horizon League basketball, I think Wright State is certainly one of those places. You know, I think NKU is one of those places. I think Oakland is one of those places. I think, you know, you can go down the line with other places that, that can have great atmospheres when they're full, but certainly Wright State is, is near the top of that list. I mean, the showing that they put on uh, for the NKU game last year, like just fr- from the tip, you know, it came in on the ESPN broadcast and it was bl- pitch black with all the green glow from the students. They And they didn't stop the whole time. And it, I mean, it was impressive. And I'm not always the biggest Pat Wright State fan on the back kind of guy, but they, they put on a show, so... It will be interesting to see, you know, what this weekend looks like. And I think for Wright State, you know, what Scott has built, uh, Scott Nagy has built with Wright State is really impressive, right? I mean, he hasn't been there long. And since he has been the head coach of Wright State, they've just had a, a consistent amount of excellence in that program. And I know last year for them, you know, one of the big hurdles was trying to get over that hump of winning the regular season title, especially when you had – you know, the senior class that they had with guys like Cole Gentry and Billy Wampler and, you know, trying to get that for those guys. And this year, you know, it's a little bit of a different look uh, for them because some of the guys that were really good role players for them last year obviously have to take on a bigger role than they have, right? Like you saw last year when Loudon Love was hurt during the non-conference, what an impact Grant Basile could make. And now 
you know, he's a guy that's making that much bigger of an impact. You look at Tanner Holden. I think that was a kid last year. You watched him early on. You're like, wow, I mean, this kid really has something. And I think, you know, obviously now he's critical to their success. And they still have Loudon Love, who was picked to finish as player of the year in the league. And I think that there's no surprise about that. Loudon has been such a, a delightful guy to cover. I mean, he's a really nice kid and has had a great career at, at Wright State and, uh, you know, was, was an obvious choice, I think. And so, you know, what Wright State's been able to do, the consistency that they've shown, uh, what Scott's been able to do is, is really impressive. And I think that, that, that they've certainly been uh, good representatives of the league, not only from their play, but just like the way they handle themselves um, in my time covering uh, that team. Now, they are actually coming in this weekend kind of in a similar, uh, not necessarily in a similar situation as Youngstown State, but they are coming off a loss. They're, they're coming off an upset loss against an Oakland team they beat by 39 the night before. So when you look at, when you look at this right, how this right State team is kind of, you know, put together – um, this year as opposed to last year, do, do you see an opportunity for them to um, kind of just shake that loss off and, you know, work on, you know, work on the next opponent? Um, to me, it seems like that's what they do. But, um, you know, there, there's obviously going to be some challenges, especially when you have a guy like Nas Bohannon in the middle and you have Gary's Quinsonberry, who I understand has been, you know, has been, you know, dealing with injuries, but has been slowly but surely coming back. I, you know, I think that when when it look when you look at Wright State, I mean, they're they're um, an incredibly consistent program. I mean, you're not going to run the table; you're going to lose games in the league. And even though Oakland got off to a, a really rough start um, in their non-conference season, they're not they're not what that record was. I think we all know that they're better than that, and they've proven that so far. You know, splitting the first six in Horizon League play. I mean, I, I've watched. Um, a couple of the times Oakland has gotten to play. I obviously haven't watched every game because that's <laughs> impossible with sure. all the teams. But I'm, as you guys know, I'm trying to watch as many Horizon League games as I can. And I was able you to catch some of the game. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, I caught some of the game uh, that they played at UIC. Um, and, you know, I, I remember thinking, like, even though they lost those games, they were in those games. They have talent. And so it doesn't shock me that much. And, and also, you know, I think – Matt, you know, as well as anybody, I mean, Greg Campy, he, he's a guy that's going to get his team up for a game like Wright State. I mean, they know what that means. And so it didn't surprise me. And furthermore, guys, like I was saying before, with, with the way that the schedule is built this year and the fact that you're playing these back-to-backs amidst a pandemic where teams didn't have a normal non-conference, you're going to get a little bit of randomness. And so, you know, I don't know that any team in this league is going to go, is going gonna, is gonna to be a two-loss, um, team in the league this year. And that's not to say that there aren't good teams. I think that the, the depth of the league is better this year than it maybe has been in a couple years past, um, which is obviously good overall. But I just think there's going to be a little more randomness. But when you look at Wright State, I mean, they're still 5-1. and one. Uh, They're still 7-2 and two overall. I mean, Holden has been great. Love has been great. Um, Basili has been really strong, even though mostly he's been coming off the bench. I mean, what Tim Finke has been able to do. I mean, last year, obviously, didn't get a whole lot of time. This year has been, uh, you know, a huge uh, factor for this team. Jalen Hall, you could see coming along and is making a big impact. I mean, when, you, when I look at Wright State, guys, you've got five players 
that averages double figures and almost six. And that's really hard to have, right? Like that is something that every coach would aspire to have. And so I think that when you look at the way that this team is made up, I mean, perhaps last year's team was a little bit older and a little bit more equipped to be that classic mid-major team that could really stun some people. You know, maybe Wright State isn't quite there yet this year, um, but they still have the pieces to be awfully good. So I expect them, you know, yes, are they going to lose some games? Sure, but I expect them to be at the top of this league in the end. So um, I wanted to ask you you this. I don't know if you know anything about this um, before we move on. Um, Before Youngstown State plays Wright State, apparently we're recording on Mondays, um, they have a random non-conference game against uh, a non-Division One school named Carlo. I had to look them up to see who they were. Even um, is that something? Uh, I, I I don't know if you. I, I wanted to ask you kind of what you thought of kind of them putting that game right before this uh, before this this nationally televised game. Um, it seems to me like it's more of a kind of a prep to kind of work out some things um, that that they might have might be uh, might be lacking. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't comment specifically on that game, but what I can sure. tell you just from covering games all year is that these coaches and teams want to play, right? I mean, sure. this is the most unprecedented and obviously unique and complex season that hopefully we ever have to undergo. I mean, hopefully, um, you know, our country and the rest of the world is able to vaccinate at a rapid rate over the next, you know, seven, eight, nine months. And that by the time we hit the college sports calendar in the fall, you know, these things are are something of the past and that we can return to a level of normalcy with respect to scheduling and with respect to, you know, fans and seats and all that sort of thing. We don't have to worry about it. But for this year, particularly, you know, teams just want to play. And I, I, as you guys know, I'm a, I'm a Chicago guy. And I just did a game between Loyola, Chicago and North Texas on Saturday that got put together on Wednesday because both of those teams opponents were unavailable for their respective series this weekend because of COVID-19 complications. So therefore Loyola was available or Texas was available They scheduled a game and they played. So I think that, you know, teams that are scheduling extra games, if they are not hit by this insidious, awful virus, they want to get opportunities to play because so many of their opportunities to date have already been taken away. So I think that that's kind of the onus for all of this is right. Is that they just want to get out there and play. And, you know, the other part of it on a macro level guys is like when these coaches recruit kids, to bring to these uh-huh. schools. Obviously, no one could have ever imagined that this was going to happen, right? But when you bring these guys in, you're supposed to be guaranteeing them a 30-game season every year, right? And obviously, this year, that will not happen for the majority of teams in the country because of the times that we're living in. But I think that these coaches feel a responsibility to their kids that if they can get a few extra games here or there to get it something close to a normal season, even though none of this is normal, then if they can do it safely and the kids are healthy through it, then that's, that's the best scenario. So I think anytime you're seeing these games on the schedule where you're like, what is this all about? I think that's what it's about. 
I think from a fan perspective too, I think it's kind of like uh, there it adds another element of excitement to it because of the excitement of the unknown, where you don't know who they're going to be. Your team, your favorite team, is going to be playing any week in and week out. Um, you know, Mike, for me, Mike, it's like. Sorry, go ahead, Bob. Touch that. No, no, no. You go ahead first. I was just going to say, my my question. I know Jordan doesn't know this. I'm not expecting to answer. Jordan is. You know, we've heard bits and pieces about you know Horizon League rules about testing and what teams and state rules and all, all these factors that go into it. And so it's just trying to figure all that. I wish it was more clear to us as fans, but I guess it's not really necessarily our, our business about, you know, what the rules are because we thought that you had to have five day clearance between games, but there's not five days between this Monday game and the Friday game. So obviously it's just, there's a lot of confusion. And I, I realize that at some point someone's got the answers, but it's just, it's just kind of weird to see, you know, all the, the fluctuation of, what teams are and aren't willing to do. You know, today we had two teams playing with masks um, in Boston and Holy Cross, I think it was. But then we yes. also had Detroit Mercy taking this past weekend off because for mental health, they, they didn't feel it was safe. So it's just, there's a lot of discrepancy about how to handle things, and that, that makes it tough. Well, it does, but I think also that because this is so unprecedented, it's just hard to um, come up with rules on the fly that, that uh, because the science is evolving, because the pressures and the anxieties are real, right? I mean, everyone sure. having to travel, like it's easy for us as fans to say, well, you know, I'm stuck in my house, entertain me, right? But the, the flip side of this is these are college students, you know, they're between 18 and 23, and we're asking them to, and, and obviously the majority of these players, I think, do want to play, but... We're also asking them to travel and to take on the risk of doing what they love to do. Um, and there is, there is complication in that, right? And so, you know, um, specific, I, I don't want to speak specifically to the Horizon League's rules, but I know that on an on a NCAA level, you know, there, there are protocols that all these teams are going through with regard to testing and how many people within – the tier one party, as they're calling it, you know, like players, coaches, uh, staff that's with the team all the time, um, how many people have already had the virus, how many have not had the virus, when they tested positive, how long, you know, when, when they completed the quarantine. So it's not one size fits all in terms of, you know, when teams are uh, or players are able to return because, you know, there is, based on the science, some level of, you know, immediate immunity that, that we believe wears off. But if, if a player, for instance, has recently just had it and then goes through the quarantine period and tests negative, you know, that player is not at risk anymore, right? But somebody else might be. So it is more individual. And so that's why I think that, you know, yes, I could see as a fan, and certainly, you know, that, that includes me, there is confusion with this. But I think everyone's just trying to get through this um, the best way they can. And there is no blueprint. There's no one answer in terms of how to handle it. Cause I think it's just different for everybody. I figure we should just go back to 1918 and see what they did. Right. It's gotta be the same. How yeah, about we never I mean, do this uh, again after this year? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that this is the only one that we ever deal with. So that, that would certainly be the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah, let, let's let, let's let the miracles of modern science you know, move us forward in a in a constructive manner where we don't have to worry about things like this anymore. I know we keep saying that every we keep saying that like every twenty five years, but hey, 
Hey, Jordan, you uh, you, you called that UIC game. I just wanted to check in. How is a former Horizon League uh, fresh or uh, yeah, freshman all 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 freshman team Braden Norris doing how, over there? I mean, yeah, because I uh, I did not have UIC yet, um, but I did have Loyola. Loyola and, and Brady met Loyola. I see. Yeah, sorry, yes, I uh, yeah, no, Braden Norris looks really good, and uh, you know, I think that we saw when he was working in Greg Campy's system uh, what you know he's able to do. He's a super efficient player. He's a good passer. He defends well on the perimeter. I think certainly uh, Loyola has seen that. They've really liked uh, his progression, and I think in Porter Moser's system, you know, he's a kid that, that can flourish, and I think that they identified that certainly uh, right away when they wanted, you know, to bring him in when he became available to them. And, uh, you know, Loyola Chicago is a team that, that has a lot of guard depth, but Braden is their starting point guard, which shows you, um, you know, what, what they think of him and the impact they believe he'll make. And he's already making it, you know, shooting the ball well, from the three-point line, passing the ball well, defending the ball well. So, yeah, Braden looks good. He definitely looks good. Just digging that knife in over for Oakland fans. I love it. Yeah. Um, did we? Did I mention I miss Lo- having Loyola in the Horizon League? <laughs> I only I, – I, 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 I feel like I haven't mentioned it enough over the last five years. <laughs> they, they've uh, obviously had a, a heck of a run, um, you know, really since 2015. I mean, obviously – um, in 18, they they went to the Final Four, but you know when you when you think about when they won the CBI, really since then they they've been an awfully good team uh, for several years straight. And uh, as you guys know, yeah, I've been around that program for a long time, dating back to when they were in the Horizon League. And so you know it shows you that there, there have been some really really strong teams um, that that are in the Horizon League and have come from the Horizon League. And so. You know the the, the conference, the league certainly has uh, a lot of uh, very proud history, and um, you know obviously the way that the the business has changed and and schools moving around to different leagues uh, changes the look of the conference year to year. But uh, yeah. yeah, they were they were certainly a, a nice team in the league for sure. Yeah, just wish they would have stayed, but you know. <laughs> um... Going back to, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Northern Kentucky because you know I Matt enjoys being proven wrong over and over again. Um, <laughs> enjoys is a is a tough word there, but yes, I'm gonna say it. You're not <laughs> okay. I enjoy watching Matt being proven wrong. How about that? Does that sound better? Um, <laughs> so the um, it's always weird that when you have. Uh, especially with the changes that Northern Kentucky has had over the last uh, last year or so, with you know with the with the graduations, with the transfers, you know this being Darren Horn's second year, you always wonder what exactly they're going to bring to the table. And it seems to me this year, and I've, you, you've obviously seen them early on, that they just brought in this group of freshmen who are specifically Marquez Warwick, who have been just completely oh, they've been really really good um as evidenced by the fact that they've won i think i want to say you know three-fifths of the freshman of the week con- uh awards uh so far this season this northern kentucky team i think certainly um you know what john brandon built and what darren horn is 
building upon is obviously incredibly impressive, right? I mean, literally from the moment they became Division One eligible, all they've done is win and go to the tournament. So, like, you can't you can't do better than that. It's been a it's 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 truly uh, remarkable. Uh, you know, I, I have so much respect for John Brannon and what he was able to build, and I have you know an equal amount of respect for Darren and what he's building and. Certainly, you know, they're, they're undergoing a little bit of a transition um, as just the look of their team um, going from being built around a player in Drew McDonald to last year, Darren taking over, Drew being gone, having to kind of change the way that they play. Um, and now, you know, in year two, bringing in new players like Warwick, as you mentioned, and kind of figuring out um, – the way that they want to play this year. And I know that they wanted to play faster and add more threes to their game and, you know, do things um, of that nature. And so I think, you know, certainly Darren's got the pedigree. He's a Kentucky guy. I think it's going to help him recruit. Um, and he came in, you know, knowing that there were expectations for this group and they continued uh, to maintain the success. So I, I like what I've seen from Northern Kentucky so far. I think that they have – you know, Nelson is a monster on the boards, and um, they have found ways to, you know, have guys step up and, and develop, and that's, that's what good programs do. And so I think that Northern Kentucky is certainly, you know, they look different this year and last year than they did perhaps in previous years, but this is a program that's going to be there, and I think that the culture has been established, and I'm really impressed with the way that uh, – you know, Darren has been able to maintain that after they had so much transition from a year ago. And they have themselves an interesting matchup coming up this weekend in Cleveland State, who is 6-0 in the conference. Um, as a Cleveland State fan, I, I'd be lying if I said they would be 6-0 in the conference, but here they are. I, I don't... Uh, I guess I could ask you. I did not... I, did not, I, I will say this. I did think... Cleveland State was improving. And I think you yeah. probably, you know, would have thought the same thing. The arrow was starting to point up for them. I'm a big fan yes. of Dennis Gates. I think that he is, you know, a, a real addition, a real good addition to this conference. And I think you could see that things are starting to come along. Sure. Um, no, I did not expect that they would be 6-0. and And we're going to see them in a couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Cleveland State. But I think that this is uh, – this is certainly a great start, and if they continue to win, you know, I think that, that the, the national audience is going to see um, a little more of what Cleveland State has to offer. So that's, that's really great for them. I mean, there, there's obviously been times when Cleveland State was a great program. Um, you know, in recent years, obviously, there have been the struggles. But, you know, Dennis, like, you know, we were talking about Jared Calhoun with, with Youngstown State. Dennis has had to come in and try to build this thing up. And you can see that they're making huge strides. So I, I like what I've seen so far from Cleveland State. We're looking forward to seeing them up close and personal, um, you know, a, a week from Friday. I would say to feature one person, but they've got like a 15, 16 deep bench. So um, good luck. Yeah, well, it's uh, they'll, they'll give me my homework, but that's okay. <laughs> 
Um, yes, uh, the one good thing about, uh, obviously with the, the, the amount of players that they have played this year, the one good thing that I, I'm glad to see is that we're seeing a lot more of Val Eichelberger. Um, he, he's been kind of easing his way back from a, from a foot injury, played 20 minutes against, uh, against IUPUI looked pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to see more of him. I'm also looking more forward to seeing more of him and Spider Johnson on the floor at the same time. I, I think that might be an interesting matchup, especially when they go up against Wright State. I'm with you on that, and I think that you know the fact that they're six and zero, and Eichelberger has not been healthy um, for all the games, just shows you that uh, they've got something to say this year. I think when it comes to who's going to be at the top of the Horizon League, and so um, you know when teams like Cleveland State start to take that step forward that's what helps the overall health of the league, right? I mean, it's always good to have those top dog kind of teams, but when you're able to add to that and, and uh, you have more teams that are winning, that's, that's always good for the league, and it always makes for better competition. I mean, I think, you know, on, on a larger scale level, you know, it, it makes me think of like when you look at what's going on in the Big Ten this year, they have nine teams ranked in the top 25. They, you know, are the best conference in the country this year, and so I think that what you're going to see out of that league is that there's going to be seven, eight, nine teams um, that maybe 10 teams that have a shot to make the tournament that aren't going to have gaudy records. I don't know that we're there yet with the Horizon League, but I bet you that the league would love to see it where you have a lot of good teams that start to beat up on each other um, because that only makes for a more um, battle-tested team by the time, you know, you get to March, you get to the conference tournament, and then one that, you know, could potentially – really make some noise uh, when it comes to the NCAA tournament. So seeing a team like Cleveland State come up, I, I think, is, is a really nice sign. Well, and I think we're seeing it with the Horizon League, too, because, uh, you know, net rankings came out for the first time this morning. Not that it's a be-all, end-all, but no sub-300 teams for the Horizon League. That's a step in the right direction. You know, it, that the average for for the league was higher than it has been. You know, it, and that, that's nice to see. And, again, in a weird year, you can't put everything in that, but it's still it's a metric to kind of base everything off of, and I, I, I was happy to see that. I think you're right, and I think that, uh, you know, one, and that's also in a year where you've added two new teams to the league. So, sure. you know, the teams that have come in are also of quality, um, which is really nice. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, listen, the, this, this league, is, as I said, is a, is a league that has been of high quality for a long time. You know, I, I think it is widely regarded as one of the best mid-major leagues. Um, there's a reason for that, and, uh, you know, I think that um, that, that certainly – those net ratings do uh, add credence to that. And so I think it's, uh, it's exciting when you see that because, yes, you're right, they're not the be-all and end-all, but they do impact perception. And, uh, you know, when, when you're a league like this, you need all the positive perception you can get. So it's great to see. Um, you mentioned the two additions. Um, have you had the, an opportunity to see a lot of either Purdue-Fort Wayne or Robert Morris in action this year? A little bit. There was one game that was on in Chicago, uh, I don't know, maybe a few days ago. This weekend, all the days sort of blur together because they all felt like Saturdays. Um, but uh, I did see Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Robert Morris play each other maybe it was a week ago. Maybe it was this past weekend. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, I, I, think it's, I think that they're nice additions to the league. You know, I think that you know, Robert Morris has had some really good teams in recent years. Um, and they, you know, they've, they've got a program that I think is going to be a factor in the Horizon League going forward. And, I, and furthermore, I think Purdue Fort Wayne, um, 
you know, has had some big wins in recent years. And certainly also just from a geographical standpoint, it makes so much sense uh, sure. to have them in the league. I mean, they're not far, obviously, from the league offices in Indianapolis. They're not far from IUPUI. They're not far from, um, you know, any of the, the schools in, in Michigan or in Chicago. I mean, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty close. So I think from a geographical standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to have them in the league too. And I, I think that they're both – they're both certainly nice additions. I think when you're adding to the league, too, um, you know, there, there, there's some rivalries that get renewed there from the Summit League um, uh-huh. that, that, that can, you know, which I think is, is a nice thing. So there's some history. Sure. Um, but I also think that teams don't want to join leagues that they don't think are good, right? So um, those two schools joining the Horizon League, I think, is a compliment to the league at large that this positions them better. Um, and so I think that's a good thing as well. Yeah, the one thing I actually uh, – you mentioned the rivalries. The one thing I did, did not realize is um, – and didn't realize this until we had John Nolan on right before the start of the season. Um, seems like forever ago. He did. He mentioned the that there was kind of a rivalry between um, for, uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne and IUPUI, which I didn't know about until you know John had mentioned it. So um, I, I know that their initial series was canceled um, – I don't know with everything with everything going on. Maybe we see it again. I don't know. <laughs> May have to wait till next year. Right now, it's it's hard to say. I, I just don't know sure. because you know with everything going on, it's. Uh, I think it's going to depend on where these teams are in the standings and and um, whether playing the games will affect the final outcome for league seating and all that sort of thing. I mean, there are some open dates where, where schools might be able to put it together, but it's also going to depend on health, right? I mean, you're, you're going to yep. need these schools to be available to play. And, and so um, I think that one of the things we've learned, at least I have through this first sort of month and a half of the college basketball season during a pandemic is that you just don't, nobody knows anything, right? Like we don't know. That's right. There's no way of predicting, but there's no way of predicting what's going to occur in terms of, team's health and team's availability. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I, I would love for them to get to the chance to play, but, you know, perhaps if they don't get to play this year, then it makes it um, all the more intriguing uh, a year from now. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the camp. If, if they're able to play them, awesome. If not, I guess we got to wait till next year. It's not, you know, again, it's the, the way that things have gone, obviously, it's, you know, you understand why, because, you know, there, there are just so many moving parts this year. Matt, I have, do you have any other? I, I oh, do have sorry. one more question. Since, since we have Jordan on, I feel like I'd be silly to not ask him this question. Uh, Jordan, <laughs> how do you feel about the Cubs announcement today uh, with their new announcer and their new play-by-play guy? How, how does that sit with you? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Luke Shampi. I think he's great. So I think that's a good hire. Um, you know, I was a huge fan of Len Casper. I hope he does, you know, I know he will do great on uh, doing the radio with the White Sox and, um, he gets to, you know, scratch an itch that he's, you know, wanted to scratch for a long time going full time, uh, to radio and, you know, Luke Shampi's awesome, right? I mean, I, you know, I've always been a huge fan of his work as a, as a play-by-play guy. I don't know him personally, but, um, you know, I've always admired uh, his calls, both of, of baseball and of college basketball. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great hire. I, you know, I, the, the Cubs are the, the soundtrack of my summer between 
uh, college basketball season. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think he's, he's awesome. So I, I think, you know, tip of the cap to the people at the Cubs and the marquee uh, sports network for picking a, a really good choice, really good choice. I would have liked to have seen Mario and Pemba, but that's just, you know, as a former Tigers fan at some point in my life, you know, and big, big fan of Mario and Pemba's work. So, but it seemed like a good hire for you. Yeah. I mean, Mario's awesome. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Mario's as well. So um, had that been the choice, that would, that would be a really good one. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to come up to Michigan, obviously lots of times with Horizon League games and Big Ten games that I've done, but also just in the summer, um, you know, you get up there when it's, you know, it's beautiful and warm and uh, catch some Tigers games on TV while I'm there. And, you know, I've always thought that he's, you know, he's got, he's got great enthusiasm and energy and professionalism and, does a great job at the call. So, you know, he's awesome. Big fan of his too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Google do an awesome job with the Cubs for sure. Well, Jordan, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, we look forward to hearing you on ESPN too. That's going to be seven. That's going to be on, on at seven o'clock Eastern, uh, Youngstown state at Wright state. And you will be, and you yeah, will be joined can, by uh, David Padgett, correct? That's right, and uh, we will we will talk to you from uh, from the Nutter Center. That I don't I don't anticipate there will be a lot of people in the building other than us. So um, we you know do we, I, one thing I I do want to say is that you know we greatly appreciate um, just the viewership this year because we know that this year more than than any other year you know people aren't aren't able to experience these games in person, and so we realize uh, the the sort of service that, that this is providing. And uh, yeah. we miss the fans tremendously. I mean, I know that people are saying that, but it's, it's, it's the, the absolute truth because, you know, what makes college basketball so great is the atmospheres. And one of the reasons why I've always loved um, doing games in this league is because I tell people, you don't have to go to the biggest cities in the country to see great atmospheres in college basketball. And so you know, going to these arenas where it's empty changes everything. But, uh, you know, we, I, I hope everyone is staying safe out there and, um, you know, being careful. And uh, we will get through this. And uh, we look forward to certainly seeing everybody in the arena, hopefully sometime next season, um, when hopefully it'll be safe by then. But we, we definitely, I definitely um, appreciate everybody watching and, and following along um, and, you know, we'll we'll do our best to be your eyes and ears in the arena. Absolutely, and we thank we appreciate you doing that for us. Um, we definitely look forward to hearing you and um, seeing you on uh, on the ESPN broadcast this season. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. And um, as always, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, presumably next week we'll be back on Sundays, but you never know. Um, we'll figure it out. Um. In the meantime, uh, HorizonRoundtable.com. Be sure to uh, visit the site. uh, All our episodes. um, Power rankings are coming out. Always um, recaps. You name it, we got it. Um, You can, again, we're on wherever podcasts are available. And, of course, you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. Um, So until next week, thank you all for listening.